when I think about how to take the promise and the potential of all of these services and translate them to the customer, I start with what does my customer want? The cloud is here to stay and businesses large and small continue to load masses of data in all shapes and formats into the cloud for easier access and safekeeping. Challenges arise daily and in the industry, Harini Gakul and her team at AWS are creating the solutions to help empower businesses, large and small, to store data safely and efficiently, as well as leverage all of the services AWS has to offer. Hear about it more on this episode of IT Visionaries. Harini, welcome to the show. Thank you, Albert. It is great to be here. Hello, everyone. I feel silly asking this question because I feel as though everyone should know what AWS is by now. But in case someone does not know what AWS is, could you please share with the audience what is AWS and what is your role and what do you do at the company? Amazon Web Services, AWS, helps deliver on a customer's potential. We help build and create solutions that help our customers deliver value to their customers. And I am excited that I get to be a part of this journey. I lead customer success, which is making sure our customers get value out of the many services that AWS creates. It is one of the premier services that is available to customers. You know, one of the things that I always think about when you think about customer success for such a such a diverse organization, because when I think of customer success, you know, of course, you're talking about an organization that's probably going to have technical acumen as well as understanding the business. But a lot of times they really don't support that many products, right? Like I was at a software company, had one solution, one product, it sold to a couple different accounts and we had a customer success team that supported that product. But AWS isn't built like that. Give us an idea of how you guys approach customer success because the reality is AWS, the amount of services you have there's a lot of services that are available that people can leverage. Any piece, they can use one, they can use all, they can use a handful. I could see being, even if I was a CIO, CTO, coming and being like, I'm not sure what I need. One of the core values of AWS is customer obsession. It's what our founders started with. It's why we leave a chair open at every table in an internal meeting so we can always channel the customer. And so my role, I think, is one of the easiest ones because I channel the voice of the customer. So my job, when I think about how to take the promise and the potential of all of these services and translate them to the customer, I start with what does my customer want? There is no preset formula. I don't go into a conversation with you if you were a customer telling you what you would need. I would start with you and say, what do you want to deliver? What are your priorities? Are you a startup looking to go public? Are you a large B2B SaaS provider looking to manage this incredible hyper growth we've seen in the past two years, especially? Are you a more mature company looking to transform your infrastructure and focus your talent on the front end and deliver more value to your customers? And depending where you are, we work backwards from there. And in my role, it's easier because it is my job, but everybody at AWS does this. We are customer obsessed. We start with the customer. We understand what value looks like for a customer. And I'll give you an example. We've all been using more takeout and more food delivery apps these past two years than, uh, than before. And I have the privilege and honor of working with several of them. And I can tell you that one such conversation was, you know, let's discuss a customer success plan for you, food delivery app. 
they are bigger than that. It's a bigger portal. And they said, you know, what we really want you to solve for is when my customers get to my website, there is a millisecond in which they make a difference between the dropdown on my website and a competitor website. If you can bridge that time gap for me, that is customer success. That is what they were solving for, to have their customers have a millisecond faster experience on their portal, on their user interface, because that made the difference between the customers switching. So that's like the first thing here. I'm customer obsessed. They are customer obsessed. So I care about my customer's customer. I am caring about you, Albert, ordering your Friday night takeout on a website. And then we work backwards from there to say, if you want to bridge that latency, what do I bring in? And my role is not to know all the answers, but is to ask the questions. That's the second role of customer success. Ask the questions and be the connective tissue. So we brought in our AI and machine learning teams, our SageMaker teams, to make sure that we were able to work with our customer to define prototypes, to define solutions that would help them address their priority. And to me, that's important. And that is sort of what I keep coming back to. What does value look for my customer? What are they looking to deliver for their customers? And how can I help get them there? So that is how I take all of these services and translate them into value for my customers. The second thing we also work with is increasingly a number of our customers have many influencers. Many of our companies are owned by private equity. Private equity is turning out to be the next thing after VC. So, you know, thinking about both who's at the table and who's not at the table, right? So all of these different stakeholders that have priorities for the customers and how do we work through those? That's important. Like we always work with our private equity teams and say, what hopes and dreams does they hold for this portfolio company? How do I bring them and embrace them and think about them as we create value? So it's really a team sport. That's the second piece. It's a team sport on the customer side and it's a team sport on our side. The work I do is never on my own. It is a coalition. I play well with everybody else. And everybody else, I'll call out two or three things, and then we can pause, is my friends and product. I think customer success and product are best friends. We live it at AWS. I just gave you an example of where we bring in product teams. We work deeply with our solution architecture teams to design solutions. And of course, our sales teams our other best friends, right? We work deeply with them to achieve their objectives. So I would say that you start with customer value, you execute as a team sport. And when you do all of those things, you help making the news, not just sort of reporting the news. And that is what good looks like. It's like you're part of the team. The customer, as you said, they present the problem or the use case they want to solve for. They're saying, hey, Harini, this is our problem. We think you could help us. And your job is to say, hey, let me, let me organize a team of people that represent the services that can possibly answer this question. Give us an idea of how the customer success team at AWS is structured. Is it, I'm assuming it's a highly technical team. Everyone knows the product inside and out. They must know how it can be applied to someone else's product. How do you guys do it? Is it like one person per service? I love this question because customer success, you know, and I've been part of it for the past several years, seeing it evolve in maturity. And as you know, there are so many ways in which we define this. And, and some of that is, you know, about the segment and you are in and the segment you're serving. At AWS, customer success is a technical role. 
So we fall in the same technical job function as our solution architects. And that is important to your viewers because you know that everyone from me on, I'm a recovering engineer myself, <laughs> but I have certs. Every year I take certs. Everyone on my teams is certified and not just one. That is a base certification that everybody goes through in their first 90-day onboarding period. And I'll come to that in a minute, but let's talk about certs. And then after that, they have gold on other areas that they want to deep dive into. So as an example, if you are working on AI and ML, that's a cert many of my teams have. SaaS transformation is another important theme for us, right? We see so many of our customers accelerating their SaaS transformation, and that becomes another deep dive topic. DevOps is another one. And then you could do very specific technical ones that either your customer is interested in or you are interested in. Because that's the second part of the talent here at AWS. We are all builders. We come here because we like to build. We love taking all of our services and co-innovating with our customers and creating solutions. So you will have a lot of builder energy here, which means that we learn by doing. We get certified and then we say, how do we actually have some fun doing things? And I'll give you an example. Hackathons are big. And we have this hackathon that actually replicates a Formula One race, and we build an AI ML model, and we do a game day internally. And we actually, if you're a customer and listening to me, we can come do it for you as well. But there are different ways to build with a product because the best way to learn is by building, is by prototyping, is by co-creating solutions, and that is important. But uh, we take investment in our skills and our talent very, very seriously, and as a result, there is continuous learning mechanisms. We call them mechanisms because they are systemic ways in order for both new hires and more experienced hires to learn. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to convey to our audience, which I thought was fascinating and doing my homework. And in my own personal experience building applications on AWS is, you know, customer success for a lot of software like SaaS companies, they're people that are like product experts. They don't use their product. But what's cool about AWS is like you actually have to have people that know how to integrate technology into my technology. So you know what I'm saying? It's not good enough that you know how yours works. You have to know how yours is going to work with what I got, including whatever I have that might be on-prem. It might be in another cloud. It doesn't matter. You guys have to figure out a solution for me. No, <laughs> absolutely. I, mean? <laughs> uh, I think that's such a great point, Albert, you're bringing, which is it's understanding what you bring to the table, right? Our services and the capabilities we bring to the table. And then it's an and story, more importantly, understanding how this works with our customers. So we have a number of cases. There was one I was reviewing this morning, which is helping our customers make build or buy decisions with us. We have a lot of B2B enterprise software SaaS companies that are wondering, I have X talent. How do I best use that talent, especially in this age of hyper competitive talent market? Like if I have this great engineering talent, do I use them to manage infrastructure? Do I use them to do sort of back of the house things? Or do I want them front of the funnel focused on product and building stuff and getting velocity to get it out of the funnel and get it to my customers? And so building a relationship where we have trust and credibility, where we can say, let's think about these build and buy options in the back. So you can focus your talent on the front is another way in which all of this learning helps add value. The final piece I'll say is in, ad in addition to being technically certified and keeping that certification and that builder muscle strong, we also hire CSMs that are aligned, that come from our customers. And what I mean by that is one of my teams is 
all about scaling startups, right? We have had some incredible experiences these past two years, shepherding and stewarding uh, some of those startups. And so our teams there are sourced from those startups or from that space. So they've actually walked in the shoes and they understand the pain points. One of my, uh, we're working on this incredible, incredible, such an exciting technology startup. And our chief customer solutions manager for that was was a co-founder of a unicorn startup many years ago. And he wanted to come to AWS and just play, right? Like he's a technologist and wants to play with cool services and help others scale. So think about what a match made in heaven that is. So I was at a company that did network services on demand. So like network as a service almost and spinning up Direct Connects, which is an AWS product. As you said, we spun up other direct connections to other clouds too. So again, <laughs> customers pushed it where we wanted to go. But one of the things that we started learning very quickly when working with our customers, which were then, of course, AWS customers, is just how much they influence how your products and services actually go. And one of the examples I have, but then I was hoping you could share some of your examples. One of the examples I have was we got to work with some of the engineers at Epic Games and they talked about, this was at the peak of Fortnite and basically nobody knew how to keep Fortnite up. Like Fortnite kept going down. And so like they had to lean on AWS and be like, hey man, Harini, how can we get this so that we can have even more players concurrently playing? Because right now, like the infrastructure can't handle it. And it was, they talked about how the company, your company, like basically had to figure out new things because Fortnite was now, this is for those of you who don't remember Fortnite at one point, it was the absolute peak of gaming. Like every, it seemed like every person on earth that was gaming was playing that game specifically at one time. And uh, they were, I remember talking to some of the engineers and we're talking about, Hey, like it's like, basically no one has a solution to allow as many players that want to play, play at the same time. And I believe your team solved this for them very quickly, <laughs> but, but your customers, like you said, are pushing you in ways that you not even you're ready to go. So you have to get there with them. I love that example. Thank you for bringing it up. Games is one of my favorite spaces. And it is one of the things I've learned a lot about. You know, that's the nice thing about being here at AWS Albert is as you're bringing your skills, you're also learning every day, right? And I tell my games team that I'm learning so much from them because we do, like you just said, have an opportunity to do some pretty fantastic things with these massive giants in the game space. And you're absolutely right. We learn as much. And there are so many, what you brought up was such a great example, but there are so many across our scaling startups, across our large B2B ISVs that they are often making a bet on us, making a bet on AWS and adopting this service. And a public example is, you know, um, data is king, of course, and all things to do with data streaming and real-time data is being very prominent. And we have services around that. And one of our customers, it's a public case study, uh, so I can speak about it, adopted us. And in order to make, we learned so much because their experiments helped us build a more robust service for the next set of customers. And we are deeply appreciative of that. And what we do to help that customer have a more um, sort of as frictionless free journey is as customer success teams, we set up this deep engagement between our service team and the customer. So every week, this customer was directly speaking with the gentleman who was building the product. 
In this case, it was a gentleman. Sometimes they are, many times they are not. In this case, it was. And they were having a conversation every week as this company was adopting this service to say, this is what I'm seeing. These are real-time problems. And we had our service team on the phone, the leader, like the buck stops their leader, two hours every week working through each one of the problems with his team. It was an incredible successful launch. And at the end of it, I still remember this quote, they got up on stage with us at reInvent and said, adopting AWS allowed us to better focus on delivering products and uh, services to our customers. And that is what we wanted. It is a long road. These are marathons, not sprints. And we are very thoughtful and intentional that our customers are going through a marathon and we have to be there at every stage with the water and everything to support them. Um, And you will see that our service team is so committed to it because they are in it with us, one team, which is why I go back to customer success and product are have to be best friends because it's that feedback loop, right? When done right, that's going to help you have a better service and product and have the customer have a great experience. How often <laughs> does your team get stumped? Because is it happen daily? Does it happen like monthly? Like where a customer's like, is saying, hey, I need to do this. And it's, uh, and you realize, hey, we either don't have the capability or we haven't developed it fully yet to match what the customer needs. For those of you who have never been to reInvent, and I'll just speak from my own experience. I've gone to reInvent before. The amount of product announcements that happen at reInvent is banana land. Like this company is constantly dropping new services, right? And so you're customer obsessed, right? So those are probably born from problems. Customers are pushing on you like, hey, I need to do this. And they're like, oh, I can't do this. Like I remember first hearing about outposts, how you know there was bringing network connectivity closer to these different remote locations. And this is what our customers were complaining about. And then they came out, AWS came out with outposts. And we're like, oh, they you clearly are listening. Uh- <laughs> we are, you know, you want our highly regulated industries to still leverage the power of the cloud or those in remote locations and having come from a rural location myself, having been brought and brought up there, I am, I feel like technology truly needs to be democratic and egalitarian. And uh, Outpost is one service that helps us do that. AWS is so dedicated to getting people to the cloud. I want you guys to know that if you have a data center and you don't have a fast connection point or secure enough connection point to get to the cloud, they will literally drive a truck to your location a physical semi truck that's just full of hardware and they will manually upload this data to this truck and drive it to their data center and get it into the cloud. Like that's how dedicated they are to helping people get to the cloud. I couldn't believe when I heard this service. What is it called again? Snowplow? Edge snow devices. Cloud computing is all about the edge. It's distributed. And we want to make sure that, like I said, for customers with very specific privacy, security, or regulatory constraints, you know, our healthcare customers, our financial services customers, or customers in certain countries. You know, I worked in the EU when uh, the Snowden affair happened and uh, trust in the cloud was a big topic. So I'm deeply sensitive to, we want to respect our customers' choices on how they want to build their capabilities. And as a cloud provider, as a partner to our customers, we want to make sure they have a range of options they can uh, choose from, such as Edge or Outpost and others. That is awesome. So how about for yourself? What are some of your favorite services that that have been created? I'd love to, and if you can share, like tell me what the problem was and then talk about like, hey, so this was the problem and hey, we developed this service to account for that. There are so many across so many different things, but I will tell you a couple that I really enjoyed working with. I'll start with sort of the hierarchy of things. Data to me is the foundation of all things, right? 
we recognize the importance of data. We recognize that also there needs to be more insights from data and we need data that can be actionable. So MSK, which is one of our services, it's a Kafka derivative that helps us understand real-time data, provide actionable data and insights into data is one of my favorite services. So MSK is one. Then as you go up the stack, you know, I think then once you have the data and you have insights from it is how do you model for it, right? What is the machine learning piece of it? That is to me hugely impactful to customers because they are able to do things, deliver value to their customers that they couldn't before. And we've seen a number of scenarios where we've seen AI ML come into use. So our whole set of AI ML services are my other set of favorite services, just because of what we can do for our customers. The third piece that I'm really seeing, I've always been interested in this, is our sustainability theme. So even if you take something like Graviton, right, which basically delivers is an incredible cost optimization service for you. But what Graviton does is not just deliver on cost, but it delivers on a much more responsible, sustainable footprint. And that is the other theme of services, Albert, that I've really started to get inspired by and enjoy learning about is how do we not just deliver innovation, but deliver this innovation in a sustainable way. And so you will see all the work that AWS has done on sustainability around services. We offer programs, we offer calculators for our customers. So that is the third component I would want your audience to take away. Well, Harini, it was awesome having you on the show. I love your passion for this because every every time I ask you a question, you smiled. And for those who are watching the video on YouTube, so this show is going to be on YouTube. Like Harini, literally every time she gets a question, it's like, yo, I love talking about this. <laughs> What's not to love? We get to serve this incredible set of customers who will be the next Fortune 100. You know, we get to have fun doing it. We get to build solutions. It's an opportunity that comes so few times in our lifetime, Albert. Let's make the most of it. Listen, it was awesome hearing these stories. And I agree, like the from everything I've read, you know, cloud just continues to unlock more and more capabilities for different people, different industries. Like some of the examples we hit on, whether it's in gaming, whether it's in medicine, which I'm most excited about, I see a lot of opportunity out there. And I love the fact that the company is 100% dedicated and focused on building things to help other people build things, right? Like that's <laughs> that's the game, right? They're not trying to productize their product. They're trying to build products that other people directly need based on problem sets, which is always a great thing. You know, I enjoyed having you on the show, Arini, but before you go, it is time for the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to us by Salesforce Platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Harini, this is where we ask you questions outside of the world of work so you, our audience can get to know you a little better. Okay, let's go. All right. So we do a little homework on you. We you know, looked at Twitter. We looked at your LinkedIn. And so we found out a couple things about you. So let's dive in. Do you still currently have family in India? I don't know what LinkedIn says about me. I'm a working mom of a seven-year-old Albert, so not a lot of time for LinkedIn. (laughs) You know, so I am Indian by birth. I grew up all around the world. My husband is European and I am 150% American. So I am actually proud to be a global citizen with roots in India, Europe, and uh, of course, the US. So we wanted to ask, where is your favorite place to travel to? Oh my God. So this is what I joke that if I, this wasn't my day job, I would be doing something in the travel space. I love travel because I love people and I love asking questions. 
so many favorite places to travel. I think Egypt was one of my most humbling experiences, seeing the pyramids and seeing the amazing temples. Uh, So many places awe and inspire me, but the place that feels most like home is a village of 100 people deep in the mountains of Switzerland. That is home for me. My husband's family has had it forever, and I was being surrounded by the Alps. And this is a village. Think about it, Albert. You've got old homes, you've got sheep, you've got cows and pasture and maybe chickens on a lucky day. And it's surrounded by the Alps. And I think walking out there and just seeing these mountains that have been around for centuries and will be around for centuries after you're gone, there is nothing quite like that to put things into perspective. So the days that I'm feeling really good about myself or really bad about myself, those mountains are what keeps me in check. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. Sounds like you're a nature lover. Would you describe yourself as such? Yes, I love nature. I think nature, again, reminds us how insignificant we are and how insignificant and how important it is to think of us as part of the larger whole. So, yes, we're big hikers. We love nature. I'm so privileged. I live in the Pacific Northwest, you know, Seattle, uh, right outside Seattle. It's a wonderfully green, rainy, but green (laughs) environment. So yes, if I have an hour free, I'm out for a walk. All right. So tell us, where's a place that you have not been that you'd love to go visit? Antarctica would probably be one. That's the only continent I've not been to. And uh, I think with the rapid change in our environment, it is one that I would really want to go. And the second is Angkor Wat. The temples of Angkor Wat are one that I have not been to yet. And I would The older I grow, the more appreciation I have for what has come before us and the history and what we learn from it. So that would be another trip I would love to do. You and I think on the same wavelength as that, because when I think of the places I've been, I'm always more amazed by ancient history than I am by like a modern architecture. Because I can understand how the Burj Khalifa got built, but I don't understand how the Great Pyramids were built. When I saw the stones and how big they were, and they're, I mean, I understand like the theory is there's obviously a lot of people, unfortunately, there wasn't their elected choice to move these stones, but these stones are massive. I don't think people understand. If you have not seen this, it's hard in pictures. In the pictures, they show it, but it's like, you walk up to this thing. It's like, dude, how did they push this thing up with human beings? And that's just the base layer. Forget about the top. Like, how did they get it to the top? Like, <laughs> It is an incredible feat of engineering. And you're right. Like this holidays, we made our way home to Switzerland with a stop in Rome because my seven-year-old is into Roman history. And it was a trip for him, but it was really an education for us, to your point, because you're marveling at every corner around you are these examples of architecture and democracy and life. And you go, are we really learning the lessons from all of this? I want to say thank you for joining us today on IT Visionaries. Thanks for sharing how you approach customer success, how you approach with the team. Thank you for driving that home that your team is not just any, it's a very technical team, very technical team that understands how the services actually integrate into, for example, my code stack or my product stack or my infrastructure stack so that I can actually leverage these things. Obviously, if they didn't fit like Legos, I wouldn't be able to do anything. And we're always hiring Albert. So I want to make sure I put that out there. You know, I believe talent is universal, but opportunity is not, right? And I feel privileged. I was in Seattle when the great cloud boom happened. And so all of our roles All of my roles are virtual because we do not want a zip code to change how your career trajectory is. So I hire across uh, the U.S. and so happy to have, um, would love to see more talented individuals 
approach us as, as a result of this conversation. Good plug. And I will go back to the story that Harini told about the startup founder who joined her. Like, if you love building and want to build many different things, this is probably the place for you. Every day, I'm sure you hear a new problem that you haven't heard before. You know, we have one life. And to lead an interesting life is most people's dream and hope. I promise you, you will lead an interesting, fun life. We work hard, we play hard, we make history. There you go. Harini Gokul, thanks for joining us today on IT Visionaries. Mm-hmm.